Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. We are so glad to be with you again this week after this Memorial Day weekend. Beth, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Hi, Seth. My Memorial Day weekend was spent mostly outside in my yard, aside from the few hours that I was on church on Sunday morning. So, and I have all the sore muscles to prove it. But it from was very being productive. in church or being outside. <laughs> <laughs> which no, from, which thing? From being outside. Oh, okay. Just being in church sure. was a lovely respite, I have to say, from from the hard work of the outdoors. Good. I skipped right over introductions. My name is Seth Patterson. I'm the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater here at Plymouth, and I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Beth Hoffman Faith. Hello, Please. everyone. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth, and always delighted to talk about the Sunday sermon in this time together. And this week, neither of us preached, nor did Dwayne. We had our friend Jim Bear Jacobs preach, and this is not his first time here, and I assume it will not be his last. Uh, he is a, a great gift to us. And mm-hmm. Jim Bear Jacobs preached from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and then 12. With this and, great title of a sermon, yeah. An Invitation to Heresy, which I know heresy. piqued everybody's interest. So Beth... What is heresy? What are we being invited into here? We are being invited into contradicting. <laughs> heresy Tell me is, more. Heresy is a belief or opinion that is contrary to an orthodox understanding in religion, particularly in Christianity. So anytime we might want to, to challenge or think differently or prod at that which seems to be a fundamental tenant of Christianity or being a heretic. So that's why when we think about sort of Christianity of of an ancient sort, whenever something was different, they would name it heresy or heretics. And we talk about heretics being burned or martyred because they had a different approach. And here today, we're being invited into having that. Right. Well, perceived as a threat, a threat to status quo. And uh, we all know what happens when status quo is questioned or threatened. Well, <laughs> we all do know. And if you don't, <laughs> ask around. And this Deuteronomy text is, I found it very interesting that he used this. I like this. And a little context. So this Deuteronomy text, chapter 6, 6 through 8 and 12, describes wearing the commandments on your head and on your hands and on the gateway to your home. And for those of you who have seen Orthodox Jews, and they have, when they're praying, these little black boxes on their head and leather straps wrapped around their wrists, this is their way of fulfilling this commandment. That is the Torah, the word of God, held to their head and held on their wrists. And then the mezuzah, which is the when you walk into a home and on the door post is a little... Uh, ornament that has Hebrew writing on it that is at an angle. That is the mezuzah, and that is the way of marking uh, th- that your home is fulfilling this commandment. And so even beyond this invitation to heresy, these these words are very important to large parts of, of our sibling religion and our root Judaism. Well, and I, was a, I appreciated this sort of call to remember, which 
Jim Bear then framed up because of Memorial Day and an, another upcoming holiday, July 4th. These more patriotic days where we are being asked to remember, to recall significant happenings in our country's history and the meaning then that those events place upon our present. I thought was important, especially because using the scripture text as a way to kind of enter into that conversation, but then lifting up our own inability or unwillingness to remember our own amnesia, other specific events that have created the status quo now. Yeah. And the example he gives is about as a Native American, that there are times that there are dates that are to be remembered. Uh, Mm -hmm. sacred dates of usually of catastrophe and death, like December 26th is one that he named. And what he hears is people saying, get over it. That was a long time ago. It's done. Yet often those same people, he says, would hold up something like September 11th, 2001 as something to never forget. And, And this dichotomy of what do we, what are we culturally, civically called to remember and which things are we called to forget? And he points out that We love to remember when we are heroic or innocent, generally, as a culture, whereas we are asked to forget when it's something we are not proud of, or we didn't do well, or... Or when we are the antagonist. Yeah. We love to be David. We don't like to be Goliath. Right. You know, that poses the question, why? Why this disconnect and inconsistency in our ability to remember, to lift up, to recall, to have the significance of these atrocities help frame how we move forward? Why is it so hard for us, us privileged white folks, to do that? Well, I don't want to, Beth. (laughs) Why? Is that not enough of a... (laughs) No. (laughs) Tell me why. Because I don't. As my daughter will say, no quiero porque no quiero. I don't want to because I don't want to. I don't want to. It doesn't fit into my, it doesn't fit into my, the mythology that, or the stories or the foundation that I want to be standing. I want to be standing upon a foundation in which, like we said earlier, I'm heroic or innocent that things were done to, but never done. I never did anything to other people. I've always chosen the good and straight and right pathway. So it's not just about me. It's about other people did those things, not me. So Therefore, I don't want to remember it. It's yeah. not significant. Yeah. Bad apples did it. Not, you know, people. Yeah. That's just not good enough anymore, though, is it? It just doesn't work anymore. Like we can't, if we're not willing to embrace and own up and claim responsibility for the atrocious way we treated non-white human beings, I don't see much hope for us being able to shape a different kind of future. Exactly. And and these things will not be forgotten. People hold them in their memories and they continually are asking us to remember. So if we don't remember immediately, 150 years later, we are still being, it's being demanded of us to remember. And it becomes harder if we don't deal with it in the moment. If we don't remember something when it happens, then we're just pushing it down. And then it's much harder for future generations to hold that memory and the significance of it. And it's much easier to dismiss it, but it will never stop being demanded of us to remember by somebody, by Jim Bear. Well, and I guess it, it also, I, I really did appreciate Jim Bear's sermon. And it makes me sad that it takes a person of color to tell us 
what to remember. Like, why can't we come to this on our own, Seth? Like, why can't we figure this out? Why can't we collectively, us privileged white people, speak a little louder (laughs) and name the inconsistencies of our past? It's because we don't know our past. Mm -hmm. We are, as James Baldwin says, I'm paraphrasing in in his letter to his 14-year-old nephew, he tells his nephew to love white people, the lost younger brothers who are stuck in a history that they don't understand. Mm. And if we don't understand our history, then then that question you ask, it just continues to spin because we can't lift it up if we don't know it. Whereas indigenous folk have to remember our lack of memory has forced them to hold it by themselves. Mm which then creates a time where they are the ones who have to do all the reminding. But you're right. But now we know this. I did not know the date of mm. these things. I didn't know what December 26th had a significance. Well, now I do. Again, I feel like I'm quoting a lot, but Elie Wiesel, and the quotes I use all the time, Elie Wiesel has said, to hear a witness is to become a witness. To, hear, to have heard his sermon means that we can now no longer say we didn't know. Right. And- Jim Barry used this phrase that really struck me, communal memory. So now yeah. we become a part of the communal memory and therefore have a responsibility as a community to lift up, recall, remember, and then repair and mm-hmm. restoration. Restore. Yeah. Yeah. He mentions a class. He and I taught a class or facilitated, I wouldn't say we taught, a large group discussion for five weeks on Minneapolis and Urban Biography by Tom Weber, which is an excellent book about the city of Minneapolis. It was fascinating to watch as we were talking about the history of Minneapolis in the 1800s. People would be like, oh, that was terrible. That was, oh, I can't believe people did that. And then as it snuck closer, then it became, oh my, my parents were alive when this happened. Oh, I wonder if they knew about the giant clan rallies at the University of Minnesota when my parents were there in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And then, or the race riots that forced black families out of their homes in white neighborhoods. Yeah. And then all of a sudden to get into the time where, oh, I was alive during this part. Mm. I didn't know or I had forgotten that this happened when I was a child or when I was a young parent or whatever it might've been. And to watch that recollection, to watch that remembering, to watch that pulling into their story, these things that they may or may not have known was, was really fascinating. Jim Bear says, we would love to forget. So to preserve our untarnished reputation. And that's it. Because again, that comes back to, we want to be the hero in the story and white people are typically portrayed as the hero. So because we write the story. Because <laughs> we've write written the story. story, right? We we have created the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And so this invitation into heresy, what does that mean to you, Seth? What did you hear in Jim Bear's invitation? What is he asking us to contradict? He's asking us to contradict the orthodoxy of the story that we hold culturally to be fact. And by to do that is to remember the things that are oft forgotten. Mm-hmm. The heresy yeah. is in the remembering. He quotes a uh, Choctaw yeah, author, Paul Chout Smith. When the religion of the state is amnesia, then the simple act of remembering will make you a heretic. Yeah. When everyone else is choosing to forget, discount, deny, 
And we are the ones that keep saying, no, we must remember these things. That's heresy. I'm all in. I'll be a heretic, Seth. Pastor Beth heretic. <laughs> well, and this this seems to fit Plymouth really well in that Plymouth has always, or as far as I know in the history of Plymouth, has pushed against the orthodoxy of Christianity in one way or another. The orthodoxy of the church has not held great sway in this. So w- without that already pushing against orthodoxy, we, we seem to be ripe for this other kind of pushing against orthodoxy, this cultural orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And people I'm sure have called Plymouth heretics for its actions and its beliefs in the past because they've been different. Well, we can continue. We can build on that and move forward. And in some ways we are doing that. We, as far as I know, are one of the few churches that held any sort of event on May 25th for the one year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. We remembered it. Mm. Right. We, we, we were present in memory. Well, and I think what struck me at the end of Jim Bear's sermon is that the goal is to make it our story, not my story, not the white people's story, not Plymouth's story, not even Minneapolis story, but our story that encompasses everyone. He talks about the narrative of our liberation as we build our future together, our, and he really stressed that our, it's not it's not just an indigenous history. It's not just right. a, a, a black history. It's not just white history. This has to be a collective. We have to hold it all. And we can do that. Yeah, we, we, we have the capacity to do that. That awful thing didn't happen in that community. It happened in my community. Whether right. I am on that street or not, it is the interconnectedness of our, of our spaces. It is my community. Mm-hmm. It is my community member that was hurt. It was my community member that did the hurting. I don't get to separate myself when it's inconvenient or I don't like it. Right. Our, our. All right, friends. Well, let's participate in some heresy. Let's not, as as uh, Jim Bear framed it, let's not just uh, rely on easy memories, but let's look at the whole of the history and be able to name and claim. And make it ours. It. Make it ours. Yep. Yeah. Grateful to Reverend Jim Bear Jacobs for a sermon very much worth talking about. Yes. Thanks, Jim Bear. Always good to hear from you. Have a great week. Be well, everyone. Mm-hmm.